This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we are joined once again by Arizona Tennis Classic founder and our dear friend, Johnny Levine, to recap what was a spectacular 2023 Arizona Tennis Classic. Of course, if you missed any of our Cracked Rackets coverage of the event, all you got to do is scroll through the Mini Break podcast feed, the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. You'll see so much excellent content that we were able to record while on the grounds. Interviews with champion Nuno Borges, finalist Alexander Shevchenko, players like Alexander Kovacevic, Jan Leonard Struff, Michael Emer, and others. Of course, we had daily recaps as well. Myself, Andy Zodin, had so much fun recording those. Again, we had an absolute blast, and that's why it was such a pleasure for me to get the chance to speak with Johnny once again to recap again what was a fantastic week of play in Phoenix. And we get into not only what we saw on the court, but again, what we saw off the court as well. This Phoenix community's buy-in into this event is what makes it so special. We reflect on that buy-in, what it means, not just to us as tennis observers, but what it clearly meant to the players throughout the course of the week as well. Again, it is a fantastic conversation that I am certain all of you fans will enjoy. Always a pleasure to get the chance to speak with an All-American with a slam quarterfinalist like Johnny Levine. So with that in mind, let's get to it. Here's my discussion with the one and only Arizona Tennis Classic founder, Johnny Levine. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a returning champion and now dear friend of the program, a man who played host to our Crack Rackets team last week and played host to the Arizona Tennis Classic, the inaugural ATP 175 event our Crack Rackets team had such a joy covering last week. Welcome back onto our show, Johnny Levine. Johnny, are you still feeling a little hungover? I know we're two days removed from the event, but it was a lot of action for you. How are you doing today? Well, today's a better day than yesterday. Yesterday, I was just <laughs> totally just exhausted. I mean, I, I could have fallen asleep just sitting in my chair or it was it was a wild day yesterday, just kind of getting through it and thinking about everything that happened. And there was a lot of adrenaline, obviously, throughout the week and, uh, but today, you know, is good and we can reflect back on some just some great, great times at the tournament. And we felt really good about uh, how the week went. Well, to that point, I know we just spent a week on the road because my eyes won't be fully opened until Thursday. I'll always be slightly fatigued just given all the action we got to watch unfold. And again, on behalf of myself, Dalton, Pooch, we can't thank you enough for playing host to our team, for allowing us to, you know, 
create the mishigas that we like to do when we're on the grounds and get a little funky and get a little crazy. And uh, certainly we had so much fun. And, you know, again, the reason I wanted to have you on the show today was to recap everything. We'll talk about the tennis in a second, but I've been fortunate enough to be on the grounds for many different challenger events over the years. And simply put, it is rare that you see challenger events sell out, not just, you know, multiple days of the event, but let alone one day of the event and being at Phoenix, being in front of these crowds. I mean, it helps to have gorgeous weather, but you guys had sold out crowds, fans in seats for every match, not just the Berrettini matches, but the Borges matches, the Shevchenko matches who quickly turned into a Phoenix favorite. What are your reflections on the week and I'm just curious, again, this Phoenix tennis community, they really do seem to have brought, uh, bought into what you are trying to build. Yeah, I mean, I really believe that, that Phoenix is a tennis town. And I think that, um, you know, the lack of this level of tennis in this community, um, you know, and they have the opportunity one week out of the year to come see some of the best players in the world. I think they know enough that it's an incredible opportunity. And when you compare it to driving, you know, four hours to Indian Wells, which really isn't a big deal, but when it's right in your backyard and you can get a ticket um, fairly inexpensive and be so up close, I think that is, you know, one of the allures for the, for the, for the average fan. And I think when you add in the venue being at the Phoenix country club, when the weather is good and, Typically during this time of year, it's great. Um, I just think it makes for a great opportunity for fans to to want to come out to and, and watch this great tennis. You mentioned that intimate look. I think that's something we should stress here today because you see this on live streams, but I think it's uh, it's emphasized that much more when you're in person. The pathway for a player to get from the court back to the locker room. You are walking through every fan that is on the grounds. And what was so encouraging was to see every player embrace all of those fans who would approach them after the matches. And, you know, every player signing every autograph, everyone from Berrettini, Monfils, Gasquet to obviously Shevchenko and Borges. No one felt above that process. And there is that intimacy to this Arizona Tennis Classic that I just, again, I thought, raised the level of everything that happened on the grounds throughout the course of the weekend. And, you know, one of the big things you guys do is obviously raise money uh, through this event. I do want to ask, I know I asked you in person, but an update for our listeners. We talked about this last time. Did we do a good job? We raised what we were looking for? Yeah. I mean, we even beat what we did last year. We raised $124,000 for the Phoenix Children's Hospital our main beneficiary. And then we also help a organization called serve the future, which helps young adults in underserved communities through the sport of tennis. And Leslie banks is the organizer of that, uh, charitable organization. And, um, we were able to give them $10,000. So I believe that'll go a long way for them. And the kids came out, enjoyed the tennis. It was very inspirational for them to see it up close and live opportunities that they might not ever have. Um, and so we're happy about that. And I just think all, all around, um, you know, our, our, 
giving back is is so important to us and and really that is the mission of the tournament mm-hmm. now it was again it it felt like a community event it really did it felt like so many people were there with their kids or again extended members of their family all coming in for this and i know for you personally not only did you have family members on the grounds watching this event, you had former college teammates, people you grew up playing tennis with, enjoying this event for you. I will say one of the personal joys for me was getting to, especially at the end on that last day when we had a little bit more time. So I got to be there with you and Eric and the whole gang and ask you questions about back in the day. Again, I'm just curious personally as someone who has been a quarterfinalist at a slam who went through the pro tennis journey, the college tennis journey. What does it mean to you to have an event like that where you can bring so many people from your past? And again, all, I guess it's a testament to tennis being a lifelong sport. That's what I'm getting at. Is it not? Boy, you hit the nail on the head, Alex. It really, it really is. When you think about, you know, all the years of, of guys playing tennis and starting in the juniors and going through college and playing in the pros and what you leave from the tennis, you can think about victories and losses and experiences on the court, but it's really the lifelong friendships that, um, you, you know, you're, you, you, cherish, you cherish and you feel are the most important things you get out of the tennis. And I, and I feel so fortunate to have had so many great friends from tennis, college, juniors, pros, and, we bring a lot of the guys back that uh, that we bond with, that we've connected with over the years, and they've really enjoyed to see this level of tennis. We're all blown away by it, and it's kind of a reunion of sorts. Um, you know, last year there were even a few more guys from UT there, but um, it's really a lot of fun. And I like to also, you know, welcome any of the alumni from the ATP, and we we did have some other guys out that were former players on the tour, and we hung out, and and it's just a lot of fun to to, you know, commiserate and, and, and talk about old, old times and, and just be, be around together. So that is a nice element um, for me with the tournament, for sure. 1988, Eric and Johnny play Jackson Withrow and Nate Lamons. What's the score? Oh, boy. You know, normally I would say we'd get killed. But when you have <laughs> a guy, your partner that serves 140, 150, I mean, <laughs> back then, I think we have a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I would say on that one. Um, you know, but geez, these guys are just, they're big, they're fit, they're strong. Um, you know, they, they've mastered some of these double specialists have mastered the game of doubles and, 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 you know, they're a lot more committed. You know, we were, we were definitely more singles players playing doubles back, back then. There really weren't that many doubles specialist guys. Um, so it, that, that, you know, when you are just focusing on doubles, you're going to be better at it. So I think that, Guys are just all around um, better. They're better athletes. They train better. They have better nutrition now. Um, everything in, in most sports just gets better and better. Yeah. Well, it's so fascinating to hear you say that because I do want to talk about the tennis. And in the end, we see Nuno Borges capturing the biggest title of his career, three-set win over Shevchenko. And, you know, this was a field that had a Berrettini, that had – a Monfils, that had a Gasquet, an Emer, a Hussler, a Halise, all these top 100 guys. And yet, you know, again, it is Nuno. It's Shevchenko in the final, maybe two lesser expected players. 
One of the big things that jumped out to me was the parity we saw across the board. Just how every match really is decided by about five points here or there. I'm curious, and it's interesting to hear you reflect on it already. What were some of your observations from just the tennis more broadly? How has the level changed over the course, you know, of where we are now in 2023? You know, I think the thing that impressed me most, Alex, was um, just the fearlessness of a guy like Borges walking on the court against a guy like Diego Schwartzman, who's just, you know, recently removed from the top 10, made the ATP Tour Finals, what, a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, still top 35 in the world, top 40 and, and, you know, just going on the court and, and believing that he could win and you could see it in his face and you could see it in his play. Um, you know, Shevchenko, the same thing, um, you know, each match he played, I mean, he came through the qualifying and just was fearless. And so when you think about, you know, guys that are, you know, not, highly ranked compared to, you know, a Gasquet, a, a Schwartzman, uh, a, a Berrettini. And these guys are big names that have been in big stages. I just was impressed that they believed they could win. And, and that, that to me, um, I think was the reason they could win because their level is right there. I mean, those guys were, were very rarely made unforced errors and they were hitting the heck out of the ball. So uh, I mean, kudos to them for, for their efforts this last week. And they were very, very great young men, very respectful. They, they, they had good, good temperaments, and um, they, they definitely were fan favorites. Yeah, watching Nuno's racket speed on his forehand is just laughable. You're just like, how? How did you do that? And it's just, it's always going to drop in. He can generate the kick serve with ease. If he gets his hands on the backhand, it's going service line or deeper. It's staying low on his opponent. And it's like, still, you know, he's the guy who wins, not the guy with the 140-mile-per-hour serve in Berrettini or a Struff, who the weapons are just so evident right away. You know, the physicality of a Shevchenko was so impressive. It's a silly question. Oh, please. One other thing that I want to add to um, you asked me what what came to mind. Yeah. Um, just the, the I think this, the movement and the speed. Yes. Completely off the charts. Um, just most of these guys are getting the balls that, that you just have absolutely no idea that they're getting to. And when I was in the game in the 80s, I mean, there was just a handful of guys that just were insane movers, you know, like a Chang, like a Borg, um, like a Creek, but everyone now. I mean, these guys' movement is um, is really unbelievable. They're getting to balls that we just, we just can't believe. And so some of the points that had exchanges where, you know, there were droppers and and guys were getting to shots that you thought, you know, no chance. That was, that was the other element to me that uh, – was just it was just very, very high. Can I just say we don't have enough Johan Creek discussions anymore in tennis. I'm really glad you bring him up. I had the opportunity when I was younger to just randomly spend like two weeks with him. He just happened to be where I was. And like just the amount of tennis, you know, even I was like 13 years old, but I was like, can you just give me some stories? And yeah, the speed he had, oh my gosh, and the ability out of the corners. And you're right. We talked about this on the grounds. It's like, were you sliding the way these guys are sliding in and out of corners? And just like the recovery, watching Nuno, not just in match one against Popperin on Saturday, but match two against Struff. These guys can do it, and they can do it for five hours now. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's very, very impressive. And I think if you're not a great mover, you just you're not going to get to the top. There's just yeah. no way. And right. and it is crazy to see guys sliding on the hard court like that. You know, I don't know what, uh, you know, the odds of getting hurt, you know, I'm sure go way up and that that's got to be scary for the coaches sitting in the stands. But um, yeah, and I think it, it has to do with the training and it has to do with the fitness. And it's just another weapon that most guys seem to have. Yeah, it's so impressive to watch. Now, again, you're in and I think the word unique position, the word unique gets overused because it's got to be one of a kind to be unique. But guess what? Only one man got to watch both Matteo Berrettini and Nuno Borges take home the title uh, at his event. And, you know, with that in mind, I ask you, because you saw Matteo in 2019, right before he popped. You think Nuno's going to have that ability? You think you could, maybe not Grand Slam finalist, but do you see a top 50, top 25 pathway there for him? Oh, definitely top 50. Um, I think he can get into the 30s. Um, you know, we'll have to see uh, what he can do to get higher than that. I think um, Shevchenko, I think, is a guy that uh, I, I would see in the top 30 and I think very likely even in the top 20. Can, can you um, explain why? Because that's fascinating well, to me. Well, I think he's got – I think he's just got a huge forehand, huge weapons. Um, I think his will to win is, is, is like a top guy. I think his fight and I just think he wants it so bad and he's, and he's very young and, um, and fearless, like we talked about and the movement. So I think he's got all the shots. He doesn't have a blatant weakness. Um, you know, so I I think we're going to see big things out of, out of him, out of Sasha for sure. He did feel like the big winner, did he not? And I mean, to beat Monfi and Berrettini and all these, you know, even Halise in that semifinal, that was really, really good. He, he's only 22. That's that, that's the shocking part. And he is just a little bit younger and you're, you, you hit it spot on. It was that every point he played every point the same from the start of the week to the end of the week. And that's just so difficult to do. But I mean, again, I love this action in Phoenix. I love the courts. I love the conditions. They felt very Indian Wells-esque, which is probably a nice transition for these players, so many of them coming from that site. Of course, with this event in the books, now all of us are wondering about the future. Hopefully we'll get to see a Borges Shevchenko Part 2 next year. With that in mind, let me ask, what are the plans for Phoenix 2024? Well, Hank, we, we, we go with what uh, the sponsors and the fans, we get the feedback from them, and we've gotten really great positive feedback. Um, you know, being able to support the Phoenix Children's Hospital and serve the future, when you put it all together, um, you know, even though it's just an insane amount of work, it just there's so much satisfaction and fulfillment out of it um, that we're able to to bring this to the Valley and keep it in the Valley. And if things get stay in place and, um, you know, we'd love to have it again for sure. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. And being on the grounds, watching all the, the fans get to interact with the players, enjoy themselves throughout the course of the event. It's, 
it's where this 175 event should be. It's perfectly located right by Indian Wells. It fits perfectly in the schedule. One thing I did learn from the grounds for next year, because I was thinking of my own reflection, so I suppose some sure. feedback for you. Yep. I think what we have to do as some sort of fundraiser for the charity, because every player in the draw was desperate oh. to get out on that Phoenix Country Club golf course. We got to figure out a way. Maybe it's a one-hole par three competition. The winner, get you know, again, maybe club members can enter. You can partner with someone, whatever it's going to be. I think that's the missing component is finding a way to work in the golf somehow because I'm telling you, every player would sign. They'd be like, whatever you need, Johnny, I will do anything to play 18. Well, I had heard rumblings that some of the players did play. I had did heard that as well. I didn't want to get them so, in trouble, but and I, I heard that I, too. I, that was the first because, um, you know, it had been very strict. Now, I do – my partner in business happens to be a member there. Yes. And he is um, very kind to offer if players want to go out. I think he can, you know, as a member, can take a player or two out, and that will be available at all times. Now, whether the players can go out on their own, that's a different story. I mean, we can always have that conversation, but that that that's more difficult. But I'm sure we can get them on somehow. Yeah, it's a member-player partnership. Maybe it's like a little nine-hole competition, and every player partners with a member. It's to raise money for the Phoenix Children's Hospital, whatever it may be. I'm just saying that's if it, that was it. It's that that golf course in the background is just so gorgeous. It's just such a beautiful scene. It's really special, and um, everyone that comes to the tournament. You know, when the play stops and they come out for a drink or some food and they're surrounded by the view of the of the golf course and just the setting of the historic Phoenix Country Club, it's it's really spectacular. And I think it adds to the vibe and it adds to the whole experience that that a fan and the players um, get when the, when during the week. And I think it's it's uh, it's very special for all of us. Yeah. It also helps when you have multiple Taylor Swift concerts. The Arizona Baseball Classic, uh, St. Patty's Day weekend. It was just festive. It was a Spring delight. Spring training. Spring, Spring training. training. Another great call by you. It was yeah. a great week. And again, I can't thank you enough for having our Cracked Rackets team on the grounds to be able to be there, watch all the action unfold, to be able to speak with so many of the players as well. Uh, it's everything we hope to do here at Cracked Rackets. So again, Johnny, thank you so much for uh, having our team there and Anytime you need anything, all you got to do, send the text. Feel free to send a phone call our way. We will happily pick it up. Well, we appreciate it, Alex. We loved having you guys. You added a, a great energy to the event, and uh, we appreciate everything you did out there. So thanks to the Crack Rackets team as well. Yes, of course. And tell Scott Miami picks are heading his way. You got it. All right. Take care, Johnny. Thank you as always. Bye-bye. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with our dear friend, Johnny Levine. Cannot thank him and the entire Arizona Tennis Classic team enough for just how kind, how classy, how gracious, how 
everything, all the positive adjectives, you name it, you can apply it to the Arizona Tennis Classic team. That's why every player enjoys playing this event. That's why it was the rousing success that we saw unfold over the course of the past weekend. Again, hopefully our Cracked Rackets team will have the chance to be there again in the future. If you missed any of our coverage, though, of the 2023 event, again, head on over to the Mini Break podcast feed, the Cracked Interviews podcast feed here as well. We have interviews with, I think, eight different players that competed in the event, including champion Nuno Borges, finalist Alexander Shevchenko. We also recapped it all over on our Mini Break podcast feed. Had so much fun with KickServeRadio.com's Andy Zodin recording those episodes. So if you want further thoughts on everything that happened in Phoenix, be sure to check out those podcasts. Of course, we've got tons of Indian Wells recap content as well. Plenty of Miami Open preview content heading your way. Busy times in the tennis world. Busy times here at Cracked Rackets as well. Of course, the reason we're able to produce all that we do is because of the efforts of our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who has a f- of an editing job to do day in, day out, making all of this content possible. A massive shout out to him. With all of that said, for the fantastic Johnny Levine, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.